additional coin. You honor me with your presence, Grizzly D. Pokemon so tiny hurt so much. Rat Piglet. Usually stronger than the average, and has a friendly attitude. Is. Uh, throwback. We will not back down. Game on, everybody. It is the throwback. Jake, Chris, and Brad with you guys, as always. Uh, follow Chris at Chris Meany, Brad at Brad Ziegler. I'm at Olin Kid. And if you haven't yet and you're still listening to this, or maybe, hey, it's the first time it's the off season and you have nothing better to do and you're listening to this podcast, and welcome. But if you go to theathletic.com slash the throwback, you get 40% off the entire site for an entire year. Uh, it's about like three bucks a month, so not a whole lot of reasons you could say that you're not part of the program yet. So we're going to dive into two things today. We're going to actually three because there's coaching things we have to talk about, but that's not going to take that long hint hint. You'll see why. But we're going to preview the week's games this week. We've got division coming up, and then we gave some awards out last week. We haven't finished those awards, so we're going to get back to them. Uh, real quick, and I say this, guys, because I think we're going to agree on this. We have two coaching hires. Well, we talked about McCarthy on Monday, but now we have two more in the books. The Giants supposedly wanted Matt Rule, and then everybody was like, oh, my God, they, the Carolina Panthers threw the book at him, and he got off the plane and was never allowed to get back on, and he didn't talk to the Giants, and the Giants, blah, 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 and all this other stuff, and then they give him 70 or $60 million, which could turn into $70 million, and the Giants come up and say, hey, we Harry, Harry, <laughs> hired Joe Judge. And then everybody's like, uh, who? And they're like, oh, this is the plan all along. We've been talking to him since Monday. All that doesn't matter. You know why? You know why, Chris? You know why, Brad? Because nobody on this show, most 90% of the people on Twitter talking about it can tell us what this means. We don't know. Like, we can speculate. We'll speculate the entire offseason. We can try to speculate before the season starts. You, me, Brad. I said you for Chris. I don't know why I singled you out, Chris. But <laughs> all three fans, of us. No, nah, but I mean, seriously, tell me I'm wrong. We can't, we don't know. We haven't been watching the last four years of Baylor. We haven't been watching the special teams development for the Patriots besides the numbers that were given. We don't know what these guys are ahead, coach, and that's the fact. Yeah, I agree. And that's actually what I tweeted yesterday, that everyone was an expert on on the Joe Judge hire, but yet nobody knew who the hell he was. <laughs> Right? I mean, it's easy for He's anybody to say. never been offense or defense. Yeah, exactly. So, no, you know, I don't mind the hire for one. Honestly, I do. Yeah, I agree. I, and I'll admit, I don't know much about him. I really don't. And all I know is that he spent nine years with Saban and Belichick, and those are two pretty good guys to spend years with. I heard and, they're pretty good. Yeah. And you know what? It's obviously, a special teams background. I think more coaches, more special teams coaches should be head coaches in the league. And I think we're starting to see it. Um, there's a long history. I'm not saying he's going to be a Mike Dicka, Bill Cower, Bill Belichick, Dick Vermeil, like any of those guys. John Harbour, I'm not saying he's going to be, but those guys are all special teams coaches as well, and look at them. <laughs> so we don't know, but it is classic Giants to go off the board. Yeah, and it was, you know, Matt Rule said, it, or it came out anyways, that he called the Giants um, and gave them a chance basically to match the offer. It almost sounded like, hey, if you'll just match it, I'll, I'm coming to New York or I'll at least get on the plane and let you have an interview. And they were like, no, go ahead and stay there. We've got our guy already. So, um, it was, you know, it was just kind of interesting because it was unexpected. It was a name that no one, no one had heard, but I, I did see, I think it was Ian Rappaport that, that tweeted out, um, that, that Joe Judge had, had Bill Belichick had seen head coaching potential in him and had kind of been grooming him for this possibility down the road, knowing 
this guy's got a really good football mind. So it'll be interesting to see. I know, you know, Matt Rule at Baylor, his first year there in 2017, Baylor was terrible and they were one and 11 his first year, but then they went seven and six and 11 and three. He, he got them into playoff, you know, playoff at least discussion. Um, this year, I will say he looked distracted in, in their bowl game, the sugar bowl that they played where it, it wasn't the same Baylor offense. Like it, it just felt like very out of sync and being a big 12 country, uh, I've, I've seen quite a bit of them, uh, this year and there, there are some things, uh, impressive offensively with them. And it makes me excited for the Panthers offensive players for fantasy. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, it, I talked with D'Angelo on the show, and he went on this whole thing, and how are you going to throw all that money at somebody who's never coached? And we did the whole list, and we talked about it. We talked about all the failures coming from college, the fact that anybody who's come straight from college without ever coaching in the NFL at any level, assistant, whatever, the failure rate of it is extremely high. There's the best two examples you can give a succession is uh, or succeeding is Switzer and Jimmy Johnson, both with the Cowboys, interestingly enough. But there's been others that people some forgot that went to college and had a state in the NFL back and forth. You, you know, so I agree with one thing that you definitely did say, that he has the pedigree, and that's what I was trying to t- tell D'Angelo, Brad, is that he turned Temple into a relevant program and then in three years, it took one, two, three. And then, as you mentioned, took a Baylor team that didn't exist. That place got blown up because of what happened with the – go look it up if you don't know the full story. But turned that program around and had them into a sugar bowl, as you just mentioned. So whether or not they were distracted in that, but getting Temple into bowl games, getting Temple inside the top 25 two years in a row, I, like the pedigree is there. We still don't know if he's going to be good. The failure rate is definitely higher, and especially so – and as you mentioned – the special teams coach, Emory Hunt, tweeted this out yesterday. There was an interview that he did a couple, I think it was three years ago, where he's interviewing the Giants special teams coach and talking about how you have to manage the entire roster because you have to manage the practice squad players. And there's only like a handful of guys, like quarterbacks, that don't, you know, uh, you know, come to him at some point. So it definitely could work out, as you said, Chris. And, you know, you have the Harbaugh situation like that. You know, that's what people are shooting for. But again, we don't know. We can, like I said, we'll speculate. We can have fun with it. But as you said, Chris, watching yesterday, unless you're like Field Yates or somebody who's been covering college all these years in the Big 12, and you don't know how good he's going to be. And even then, you still don't know how good he's going to yeah, be. Nobody knows. Like, you got to give him a chance. No. No, absolutely nobody knows. But, I mean, special teams got coaches, they – they see everything. They talk to every coach. They see every player. Um, Bill Belichick is a big special teams guy. I know when he faced the Bengals earlier in the year and, and Joe Mixon ran all over him, all he had to say after the game was, oh, wow, like they have really good special teams over there in Cincy. And I know they were rated number one according to Football Outsiders. So he's given some love to Darren Simmons. Like he's just a – He's obviously really, really detailed. So yeah, you, you just don't know. You, nobody knows. But I, I, I thought I, I, he said that much in an interview. Yeah, really? I, yeah, I know. <laughs> it was crazy. There, there was audio on the Bengals podcast of that, and it was like, and they were joking. The guys were joking. Paul Daniel Jr. and Jay Morrison they were just like, "Wow, Bill Belichick really likes Bengals special teams because <laughs> more than anything in life." Uh, but yeah, so who, who knows? And Brad said it. Like Carolina's got some interesting players. You know, it'll all be well. Cam uh, Newton is. I, I'm curious to see if Cam Newton's going to be well, the guy. Well, that's, right, that's look, the key. It's wanna, whoever uh, it's whoever's there at quarterback that changes the whole landscape. No, see that's the, see that's it where I'm a little bit against Kyle it, Brad. It's a, no, no, no. Hold, it's a real. I don't want to get into it because it's the like. Go listen to the Angel one. I'm not trying to pump it, but we spent a whole lot of time with it. But Brad. There's my hesitation. This is what I told. It doesn't actually make sense to me. 
Like, he has the pedigree. Hiring him and giving him a chance in the NFL makes sense. Makes more sense for the Giants, who know they're in a rebuild. Makes more sense if you have a team like that or the Bengals. But the Panthers don't make sense to me because you want to contend now. Well, what has rules history shown? Wait for the year three. If Cam Newton's back, you have Christian McCaffrey, you have DJ Moore, you have Keekley getting close to this back half of his prime. Like, the Panthers have the pieces to be a playoff team next year. I don't understand hiring somebody with a seven-year long-term program plan when they're ready to contend now. Like, so that's the one area, Brad, where I, I don't think it makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do because if they bring Cam Newton back, then fine. If they don't bring Cam Newton back, then what do they do? They can't, it's, you're not, unless you're kind of in a rebuild phase, which is, would be really weird with the roster they have. They're, they're a team that's like right. on the verge of the playoffs. They need to bring in like a Phillip Rivers type player or, or somebody along those lines that, that is, can help a team that's ready to win now. And, and I don't know if they're going to keep North Turner around there, but if they do, then that Phillip Rivers might make a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, that could too. That makes sense. But that's still weird because if you're trying to do that, be a playoff contender, then would you bring on somebody who can do it? But it usually takes three years. But anyway, <laughs> so before we pre- preview next week's games, let's get to some of the awards. We did MVPs. We did busts. And for everybody that hasn't listened to it, go back. It's still it's uh, evergreen, as people would call it. You can go back and listen to our picks. We did MVPs that weren't Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, speaking of him and Michael Thomas, because those guys walked away with it. And then we did busts. And so we have two places or two. I said places because I was looking at one of the awards. <laughs> two awards to give out. Surprise and then worst place. So surprise uh, at, at running back. I'll go first because you guys kept going first, and I don't think I ever got to go first. <laughs> so I'll go first to this one. I'm going to go to running back, and I have two, and I think you guys would agree, but the two surprises for me are for different reasons. One is Austin Eckler because I didn't think he would keep his value even when Melvin Gordon came back. And, yes, it did drop off the last few games of the season. Yes, we talked about that on that show and why he wasn't an MVP because, you know, if you got to the playoffs, he might not have been able to help you there because – 11 points. And it was fine, but it wasn't what you expected from what he had been doing, even when Melvin Gordon was back. But I think that was extremely surprising. It's going to be interesting to see him next year, what the Chargers do. But the bigger surprise, I'll give the slight edge to Chris, was Kenyon Drake. Uh, I mean, we knew that, you know, hey, look, we have players everywhere. Get away from Gase. You can succeed. But nobody expected David Johnson to have the problems that he did. And then nobody expected when Drake to come in, not only come in, and essentially be a RB1 for the rest of the season once he came in. But he kicked it off with an amazing, enormous, huge game against the one team you weren't supposed to do it against, the 49ers. Yeah, he was very impressive. That that was mine as well. I agree with both of your candidates. Austin Eckler was phenomenal. But I think that was maybe Brad's MVP uh, at the running back position last time we talked. So, right. Yeah, nothing bad to say about either of those guys. Kenyon Drake was really, really impressive. And he, yeah, he surprised the hell out of me. You're right. I mean, that, that football game against the 49ers, I think it was Thursday night football. He had the, the touchdown a hundred yards in the ground. I was like, wow, okay, that's a fluke. You're not going to do that again. But then down the stretch, especially <laughs> over the last three weeks of the season, I mean, seven touchdowns, seven rushing touchdowns over his last three games and, you know, averaging about 20 carries per game and 137 yards, 166 yards on the ground. Very, very impressive stuff from Kenyon Drake. And that's probably earned him a starting role with Arizona. Yeah, it'll. I mean, they would be foolish if they didn't bring him back after what he, what he did for him. Um, I'm going to go. Stuck, uh, a, 
because they they yeah, they're well, in an interesting spot. Yeah, yeah, well, it is an interesting spot. Here, I, re- what, I realize they can't get rid of David Johnson, but that's what I'm they, saying. You can't same, get you can't get rid of him. And Chase Edmonds is still only entering the third year of his rookie contract, so uh, just, he's right. good. And they but because they have Kyler Murray, they have a ton of cap room. And so they they, do, they could but, bring him back on like a two year deal and just deal with Johnson's contract for one year and then let him go. I mean, I can see that, and I, I definitely it's going to be interesting to see what, what they because he is unrestricted. So you never know somebody somewhere else might fall in love with him and give him a little bit more than what Arizona wants to dole out there. But yeah, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Go ahead, Brett. Yeah. So uh, you know, mine's I'm going to go a little a little different direction uh, with this one. No. I'm going to go. <laughs> yes. So, someone that I that I expected much more out of, especially with the situation he got, and he sucked terribly. And that was Jalen Samuels. Um, he he had enormous opportunity when James Conner was hurt, and and basically got beat out of his job by Benny Snell, and then wasn't even used much as a receiver, which is right. kind of you know what he was. It was it was just a, a massive disappointment. It was it was. I expected so much more out of him, even in a complimentary role, and he just didn't give you anything all year. Yeah, it's, I, I stunk. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I, I'm happy because I didn't own him because, you, well, not because of this, but I expected that. Hey, James Conner has the role. There's no second option. Like we know what the Steelers do. There is no second option. But I'm with you. Is that you know when it went down, I was like, oh my god. Well, Jalen Samuels might be at RB two just for the pass catching alone. And there was that one glimmer of a game, double digit one receptions. Game, yeah, yeah. it's like oh catches, okay, yeah. This, this like, is what we have. Eighteen targets yeah. or something stupid. Yeah. Exactly. But and then I, I think that's a good call. I didn't. Hey, why you gotta go negative, Brad? This is supposed to be a good surprise. Yeah. Well, I, I had a positive one too. I was. I'll let Chris go, and then I'll I'll throw my positive one in there because this one that you haven't mentioned yeah, yet. Go go so. for it. Yeah. I mean, I, mine was already. Drake and it'll be a conversation I for took, another yeah, day and how Chris's. to treat yeah how to, okay. that's why he went first. Wait, is the surprise that Drake actually got a championship? The other one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm going to go with Raheem Mostert from a positive side. That's a good he, one. He basically just grabbed hold of that San Francisco backfield down the stretch, scored a touchdown in weeks 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. Scored two touchdowns in week 14. Like, he he didn't disappoint you at all, even when he wasn't getting a an extreme amount of volume. And um, I I just think he for a guy that you could grab off the waiver wire halfway through the season that might have helped you win a playoff game. Um, he he would have been a big surprise to me because now it looks like there's a chance that that he's the guy in San Francisco potentially going yeah. into next year. Tevin Coleman, they've got they've got no dead money, no no dead cap money if they cut Tevin Coleman after this year. Uh, Matt Breida, have, McKinnon. Have- Matt Breida, though. Mess. Matt Breida's, yeah, Breida's a free agent, though. No, he's restricted. So, like, there's, he's restricted. Okay, so, yeah, so if, if they want to match. But, like, they, and they, you know, we, we've we seen, they like to have a lot of different running backs there. But it looks like, to me at least right now, he has kind of grabbed this lead back role. And unless he does something through the playoffs to lose that, I think he's their number one guy going into next year. No, I, I even said, like, I, I agree with you 100% on the surprise, and it could be, legitimately could be. I, I even, so, the, my way, 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 way too early rankings that came out today, I put Mostert at 23, and I even put in the comments, it's either too high or too low. It's too low if he's actually the guy, Chris, but mm. the reason I think he might even be too high is because it's Shanahan, like, somebody's gonna smash for Shanahan, but it might be Mostert for the first three weeks, and then somebody else the rest of the season. Yeah, there's just not a lot of bell cow backs in the league. There's just, you know, well, especially Shanahan. Are, are, yeah, exactly. He's got a history. He's rotating through two or three of them. But yeah, over these and next McKinnon's couple weeks, coming back a, again. Jeez, oh, <laughs> you forgot but about if, him. If, if he I goes, actually did forget about McKinnon. I think at this point he's going to have to do something to lose that grasp on it. I think Shanahan is willing to do it with somebody if they will 
not screw up or not, you know, show some consistency because he's, he's done it before. I mean, he did, did it with Devontae Freeman and I know he used Tevin Coleman there, but he never took Freeman's workload down just because Coleman was in the game. Freeman for a couple of years was really, really good, a high volume guy, even though he was uh, yeah, a that's slight why we, build for a high that's volume why guy. We loved so. his running backs. Uh, was, right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so you can, you can draft him. I won't. <laughs> How about, yeah, I mean, he, he never, yeah, I'm a little hesitant as well. I, I, I am impressed and I dropped the ball on him. I mean, I, I spent a ton of fab on him after the week three heading into the bye and then he had 11 carries in three games. I'm like, okay, well, that's it. And then nine and then one carry, six, six, six. And then boom, I, much like Drake, against a team that you didn't think you could run on in San Fran he balls out against Baltimore and has right. that big game but but really over the course of the season even in the last few weeks Brad I mean he's only averaging about 12 carries per game but he was definitely right. impressive and he But it, the so fact that he didn't I mean spot. he was he was on no one's radar to start the year and he in half point oh, no, no, finished no, as, no, he finished as the RB24 he's a bottom yeah. end RB2 yeah but you That's, missed like, I mean he was just games. really good down the stretch yeah. All right so surprise at wide receiver I right, like this is another one like the MVPs. Can we say not Devontae Parker since that should be oh, the pretty? Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, is, we, we got let's talk about him a little bit though because I mean was, you can talk about him a little bit. So you, when you talk about yours, you got to get a backup. When I have a backup one, so you guys get some time to think and you can talk about Parker. But it, sure. it was obvious no Parker. Like, here, I'll even just give you a little sneak preview inside the rest of this or the rest of the way too early rankings. I already have a comment. Devontae Parker at eight? That is insane. Oh, really? My, my response. This is my response. Really? He finished seventh, and since week four, do you guys know what wide receiver he was? Since week four. It's not like since week 14. Five. Since two. He was only behind Michael Thomas from the fourth week on. That's it. Yeah, Michael Thomas one, Devontae Parker number two. Do I have him second? No, I have him seventh. And I even said that real quick, and I don't want to talk about this because this is a show for another day, but. Devontae Parker, Galladay, Brown, Cooper, Moore, Allen Robinson, blah, blah. I go all the way down to T.Y. Hilton at 19. I say that tier, that's one tier. Any of those guys can finish anyway. Anyway, Devontae Parker, love him. I'll say my biggest surprise is somebody who I wrote off 100%. I thought Bayshon Hamilton would be a thing because I wrote him off, and he switches teams, and I still wrote him off. <laughs> it's just because Emmanuel Sanders was not supposed to come back from an injury and look that good. Now, there was an up and down. There was some disappointments late in the year after looking really good to start things off with the 49ers. But I think even if he was just a wide receiver four for the entire season, the fact that he was fantasy relevant coming off that injury is the biggest surprise for me at wide receiver. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's totally fair. He, and the, he had some, you know, some individual games where he was just enormous down the stretch. So, um, I had him in a couple leagues and, and there were a couple weeks where he hurt me a little bit. But when he was in there and it seemed like he, he developed a chemistry with Garoppolo really quickly and, and, and he also made Debo Samuel better, um, which is exciting, you know, going forward because I, I, I love Debo. So yeah. it, it'll be, it was a it'll great be, trade by San Fran. Like, yeah. From huge, outside of a fantasy move. standpoint, it was a, yeah, it was exactly what they needed and Brad, you're dead on and made Debo really good. And he showed up for you in that game against the Saints. And even if he'd had some inconsistent performances, that was the one uh, against the Saints that was just got you over the top. Yeah. So, so yours. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Well, for me, um, 
I'll go DJ Chark. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I did not expect a thousand yard season from DJ Chark and finishing as a wide receiver two, maybe a wide receiver one if he didn't have to suffer the foot injury towards the end of the season. This guy was not on my radar. He was offered to me in a couple leagues early on, week one when he caught the four passes for 146 and a touch. I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't want <laughs> this guy, DJ Chark. You can, he's not going to be able to keep this up because when we were talking about the Jags offense, it really wasn't, it was DD Westbrook. We were, we weren't bringing up DJ Chark really at all. We were just, we thought Foles, and, and we never really got to see Foles in, in this offense. But for me, DJ Chark was was pretty darn consistent for a team that was pretty underwhelming. They weren't good offensively. Um, Leonard Fournette couldn't find the end zone. They had some issues. But, yeah, DJ Chark gets there. And, you know, just for Parker, again, just to talk about him just for a second. I mean, this guy had nine touchdowns in his first four seasons. <laughs> nine. He had nine last year. And 1,200 yards was more than he had in the two previous campaigns. So, very, very impressive stuff. We all knew that the skill set was there. Um, just had to stay healthy, and he did. Ryan Fitzpatrick, good stuff. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go a slightly different direction, and this was the direction Jake was talking about uh, More with, with MVPs. <laughs> uh, well, no, with with guys guys who absolutely helped you win championships. And and that, to me, the one out of nowhere was Brashad Perryman. Um, he, he was just an absolute monster down the stretch. Three for 70 in a touchdown week 14, five for 113 and three touchdowns week 15, seven for 102 in week 16. It, when, when those receivers went down, when, when Godwin and Evans went down, he, Perryman absolutely stepped up and probably earned himself a decent contract this offseason. Um, just showing that he could do it. And, and I mean, this is a guy that everybody wrote off for the season. He was non-existent in Tampa Bay for half the year. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, the last three weeks of the year, in, in at least in a PPR format, he's the number four wide receiver, um, and and that's that's what you look for down the stretch. You needed to find that that diamond in the rough to help you win that title, and and he was right up there with, you know, with Deontay Johnson, and AJ Brown in in weeks, you know, weeks fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, yeah a lot of similarities there, Jake. Right, those two those two wide receivers, like Parker and Perriman, they're kind of linked together. It's just. Uh, Guys that were people were overhyping over the past three years. Are you kidding me? The Paraman love two years ago. Oh, this is the year Paraman. This is the year Paraman. Like I say, I, I always guess, disappointed. I guess it's always going to come from where you're coming from, as in like the person. Because I was never. I I, I was so, never either. I'm still. I still. I'm still not a par- Like I say, what, I'll say what I told you about. It, this is some years ago now, so people might not know or have seen it. But I said Paraman is basically. You're hoping he's Mike Wallace. So. I'm still not. He's got good hands, man. He made some wicked catches. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I just still, like, even in my way too early, unrestricted free agent, who the hell knows where he lands. But even where if you land somewhere as the number two, I still don't want him as more than wide receiver four. It's still Brashard Perriman for me. It's just, it's, that would be amazing. Well, Deshaun Jackson going to come back healthy? (laughs) He's under contract. So. You only play a couple games anyway. Do we, so. Uh, we'll keep just going in order like this instead of snaking and back, you know, tracking and all that type of stuff. So it's a surprise at quarterback. It, like, which way? I, I almost want to go negative because <laughs> Brad keeps going negative. Uh, but yeah, he's turned a little spin on this. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, like, like Patrick Mahomes, you could say we expect a regression, but not this much. And yes, he did miss two games. I mean, you could say Josh Allen finishing close to the top five. Like, quarterback doesn't really feel that big of a surprise outside of maybe Baker Mayfield, but we already talked about him as a bust. So I don't know. Do you guys have a different take on quarterback or you want to jump to tight end? No, I, I got one. It's Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill. Uh, Tannehill. <laughs> Tannehill. After, <laughs> after, 
I mean, basically, you're not allowed to bring know, up his name ever again. <laughs> all right, it's 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 Ryan T, the quarterback for the Titans. Um, <laughs> RT, he, baby. I mean, he after basically after he took over, he was the the QB two the rest of the season, and and that was you know starting week seven, I guess when he was a full time starter, he was the QB two, and it was it was extremely impressive because obviously no one was going to keep up with Lamar Jackson this year. But he he turned that team into a playoff team. They were they were written off and and like they're I mean terrible. They're one in five maybe through their first six games, something like that. And and now all of a sudden they're in the playoffs. They go in and beat New England in the first round of the playoffs at New England. It, it's it's really tough to to argue with what this guy's done. And and he's made he did it basically still without Corey Davis. He turned AJ Brown into a into an elite re- receiver going forward. But it's it, it, how does how does this guy throw for three hundred some yards multiple times with that receiving crew? It's it's just I don't know. It's really impressive to me. He finished ahead of Drew Brees, really, and they missed the same amount of games. So yeah, I agree. Ryan Tannehill would be mine. Very surprising. Okay, and he's going to go in and beat Baltimore this weekend. All right, and then let's wrap it up with Whoa. tight end. Yeah. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get to those in a second. I knew you were joking. That's why. <laughs> so at, at tight end, you know, like I think the one we talked about bust wise with OJ Howard, uh, we had injuries and stuff like that. But on on the positive side of things, like a lot of people were on Mark Andrews. I think this entire show was on Mark Andrews. Uh, a lot of people said Dallas Goddard could be relevant, and his was contingent on the fact, as we've talked about before on this show, that we weren't expecting that many wide receivers to get hurt for the Eagles and him essentially to becoming the number two wide receiver. So whichever way you want to skew that one. So the positive spin on it, I'll leave one out there for you guys. It's probably the more obvious one. Uh, we've talked about it a million times this year. He's in the, well, he'll be is probably the third, fourth tight end off the board next year. If everybody could figure that out at this point. So I'll go back to something we talked about on a previous show. It was Austin Hooper because I had Austin Hooper inside my top 10. I was high on Austin Hooper. Did I expect this? Hell no. I didn't expect, as you guys both mentioned in the last show or maybe last week's show, is that he was the number one tight end before he got hurt. Number one ahead of Kelsey and Kittle. As I said in the rankings column, I'm not going to put him in front of those two studs, but you know where I had him? I have him as number three next year because I'm assuming he's back with the Falcons. I'm assuming the Falcons don't let him walk. If so, yeah, I would take him ahead of a banged up, I, I would love to have a healthy Zach Ertz, but the dude is just at this point of his career. I'm taking Hooper. I'm taking him over Mark Andrews because Lamar Jackson, any given game, could throw for a buck fifty, and I could take him over Darren Waller because Darren Waller, there's the name. Uh, numbers got hurt as soon as Hunter Renfro started becoming a thing. So yes, Austin Hooper surprise, and Austin Hooper, I'm on board for Austin Hooper next year. Yeah, I love Hooper. I got nothing negative to say about that. I looked at my rankings before we did this just to see where I had guys to see really. Some players who I, I was surprised with and Hooper I had at seven, so, but I mean, he could have easily finished his tight end one, which would have been definitely surprising to your point. One guy for me was Mike Gusecki and I, you know, I moved him up a little bit towards the, you know, draft day when we had to lock in the rankings and, you know, fantasy pros and, and stuff like that. And I still only had him at 18 and it's like, oh man, that's a, that's still a big stretch. Like for 18, a lot has to go right with him. And, you know, for, to finish as a borderline tight end one with, with the Dolphins again, maybe it's Fitzpatrick. There's a lot of, dud games from him. It's a tight end position after all, but down the stretch, I thought he was pretty good, and Jake, he was a guy that you and I talked about with Joe Holka a ton in DFS. Is just a guy who was running a lot of routes and was getting a lot of volume, and I, I'm interested to see if he can take another leap forward. I, I think Fitzpatrick has to be there, but I think he's got more to offer. Yeah, it, he and he was really good down the stretch. It, 
you know, in the second half, he was really good. But I'm going to go with a, a, a little different direction and someone who basically it felt like they were non existent in the first half. I'm going to, I, I have to say, you're it's true. Go in a like different it, direction, just going in now. It's <laughs> true. So this is a guy who was completely undrafted, not even like barely visible on the depth chart. And he finished as a tight end eight as Tyler Higby on the Rams. He, everybody was looking at Gerald Everett and, and, Higby was, was, I mean, just absolutely ridiculous down the, down the stretch with four straight hundred yard games. Um, and, and a lot of volume. It was seven catches, seven catches, 12 catches, nine catches. It, you just weren't expecting that at any point. This is a guy, he's like a fourth round pick. He's his fourth year in the league. He's never done anything outside of like the occasional random touchdown from the two yard line or something. And, and, all of a sudden he became an extremely relevant tight end and, and really hurt the Rams receivers. Um, so in a way it was kind of bad for fantasy because a lot of people were counting on Cup and Woods and, and those, you know, cooks down the stretch. But, but he was so dominant in the middle of the field that he, he might actually make this offense better next year if they start just having a tight end weapon that they've never had before. Jake, he's got to be in your top 10, no? Who, Higby? Yeah. Yeah, actually. No, I had Higby at eight. I have, yeah. him, I have him in front of Hunter. I think he's actually pretty good. I have him in front of Hunter Henry and Adam that's, Ingram. That's where yeah. he finished nice, this year nice. as the tight end eight after yeah essentially not be, not playing for seven weeks. So it was just just dominant down the stretch. It was awesome. I don't know if he's going to get that kind of volume again, but I don't know if Brandon Cooks is on that team. So well, no. So that's well. What I mentioned is Brandon Cooks. He still could be on the team. He still should be on the team. It's just a health related thing. But I. I put that in there is that Higby is essentially now their number three instead of Brandon Cooks. So if Higby is the number three, as we've seen with what's the appeal of the Rams, by the way, to everybody who asked at the beginning of the year, throughout the year, and as exactly has been proven, how can you rank so many players high for the receiving game in the Rams and still only have Jared Goff as a QB two? Well, because exactly what happened. It's a very funneled offense. It goes to three targets. End of story. So the three targets are now not Cooks. It's now Higby. So there you go. All right. Playoffs. There's our awards. Any more like special playoffs? Oh wait, we playoffs. didn't even do a worst place. We don't even do a worst place. Yeah, we yeah. have to do a worst place. We definitely we have to do a fire place. through that. Yeah, well, Brandon Cooks was my uh, wide receiver. He's worst for a worst place. Draft him again. Yeah, never. I'll, you know, I didn't even really have any shares of him. I picked him up halfway through the season, and and it was just a waste. Like I just can't trust him. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think he's a great talent, but you just talked about it. He's not even the the third option on his team right now. No, and nobody was expecting it to be this bad, but I'm with you. I didn't own him anywhere because so for everybody out there that doesn't know what worst place is, it's by Pat Mayo, friend of the show. He does it all the time and there, he originally did it for Mark Ingram because he hate 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 hates Mark Ingram because before he started to be a successful player, he Pat had a point. Mark Ingram was Deshaun Jackson, was Santana Moss, was Jared Cook before the Saints, was Tavon Austin when people wanted to do it. All these guys, the reason so to explain it for everybody out there, the reason Pat Mayo has him in worst place and we do this worst place joke is because it's the kind of guys that you always want to rely on that never show up when you want them to. Then when you're ready to give up, they finally show up against somebody. You didn't start them because you had already given up. You get back on board and they come right back and disappoint you again. Like you can never start them and like, because that's who they are. So, your Brandon Cooks, I'll excuse a little bit, but if we're going to go to wide receiver first, you guys both know who mine is. It's Will friggin' Fuller. Screw this guy. Screw this guy in his two games accounting for 60-something percent of his entire season because nobody can rely on him. You either plug him out there every single week and hopefully you get the four good games or you don't, and then when you try to pick and choose, a lot of people miss that three-touchdown game and then try to get back on board and got screwed over by Will Fuller again. So 
I would say Will Fuller, but there's another name that's right in this conversation now that might shock a little people. It's Marquise Brown, even for next year. I think he's going to be a worse player. I'm not going to own Marquise Brown next year because you know who he is, Chris? He's your new Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one, too. Um, Sammy Watkins comes to mind. Just these guys who just have big blow-up games and then other games you you have to kind of ask yourself or anybody watching the game with you if they're playing and if they're active. Have you seen Sammy Watkins out there? I again? hate when people tweet And all of a sudden that. it's like, boom, <laughs> like 70-yard grab, Sammy Watkins to the house. Like what he did in week one, obviously, like he was the biggest sell-high candidate maybe of all time after one week. <laughs> Do you know what his <laughs> high like score was after I that think. game? Uh, fantasy wise, I know yeah. he never hit double digit points. Boom, there you go. Never that. hit. Do you know what his highest yeah. yards were after that game? Ah, uh, geez, probably like 60 yards. Oh, you're good. Chris, uh, you're yeah. so good at this Close. game. 64. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that was Sammy. I, what do you have? Almost a, 700 yards and 200 of them basically came in week one. It, it was, and all of his touchdowns. He never had another touchdown. I nope. know that. Nope. So he was, yeah, he was, you know, again, Mahomes, he dealt with injuries, but this is the whole thing. This is why I put Brandon Cooks there. You know, he's unfortunately for him, he's had some serious concussions, and I can't trust him now going forward. And Sammy Watkins <laughs> is, is right there as well. It's actually just had two wideouts. I didn't even know I was going to go. so angry. Sammy it's is great. right in there yes. with the Marquise Brown, though. <laughs> Let the hate <laughs> flow through you. <laughs> and nice. by the way, love Pat Mayo, but Mark Ingram is a G. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, so I, I had – I had Watkins as my number one on this. Being a Chiefs fan, I, I had got to witness this all year, and it was frustrating. But I'm, I'll go a little different. The wide receiver nine preseason ADP was Antonio Brown. And I don't – the <laughs> way this was described to me is like someone who might burn you that you will never own again. There is zero chance I'm owning Antonio oh, Brown see, in the history is... of any fantasy league going forward. It doesn't no. matter if he gets reinstated. He is an absolute mess waiting to happen, and <laughs> I, I want nothing to do with it Like I, at any point. Give me where, – where's the little gift from Economy Central when What's-His-Face used to do that show? Give it to me now. Give me – I have him at 10 at wide receiver. Give me all the Antonio Brown shares wow. next year. All of them. The only reason he's at 10 because I just don't know where he's going to be because somebody's going to take a chance on the talent because in the NFL, they always do that. Uh, if you look, how many times did Josh Gordon get a chance? If you have the talent, somebody's going to find a way to give you a chance. He's going to be on a team, and if he's on a team – he has number one upside. I, I will be the one on the show. I'll be the one to take all the Antonio Brown next well, year. Well, you did take him in the mock, so I'm not surprised. It's the to third hear round. You. You're going to give me Antonio Brown in the third round? Yes. I'll do well, it. I basically miss took him in the third round the this year. Yeah, I basically took him in the third <laughs> round this year, and he screwed me. I, Brad, you know what? This time next year, Jake will be putting Antonio Brown in worst place. No, I, I I would agree. I would agree. I because I I think he's gonna he's gonna miss he's gonna miss half the year with the suspension, and then after that it's gonna be okay. Wh- what kind of disruption is he in the locker room? Because he he didn't even he hasn't even been suspended yet, and already got cut by two teams because he was just a train wreck. Yeah, it's gonna so, come around. Yeah. Yeah, it's always yeah, I do agree with you. Make a good point about Gordon, though. Yeah, all those times that Josh Gordon got that. Got the second, third, fourth, fifth, seventh. And he wasn't, he wasn't even Antonio Brown. He had one yeah, amazing exactly. out of the world season and he's, Antonio Brown's playing next year. He is. Coming to Philly. Yeah. Oh, good. I'll take him at number five. We're coming to Philly. I'll take, I'll take a fifth wide receiver off the board if he's in Philly. You told I need me to get in, in a bunch of Jake leagues next year. I want to be in a bunch of Jake's leagues. Hey, and this is somebody who the, I was out of two leagues almost immediately because my second and third round picks were Antonio Brown and Damian Williams. Same. So there you yeah, go. Well, 
Oh, I know you're not. You didn't take Damian Williams. I had a lot what a transition stuff. to running back. So there, there you, you go. go. So speaking of, <laughs> I know because that's going to be Chris's, right? <laughs> so I'll, I'll, oh, I'm not surprised with uh, his performance. Yeah, he, he was down on him. I I was the one that. So are yeah, you? I mean, I was all Damian over. Damian worst place, Brad. I, I am right now because the, the the biggest reason is because you, you talk about dance. not not having him going forward. <laughs> he he was the Chiefs' best running back when he was on the field this year. That but he wasn't he at again. the level he was at in the playoffs last year. Yeah, and he, yeah. he still is. Like he's. But there's no question in my mind the Chiefs will draft a running back this year in probably the first three rounds. And if they do that, then that's the guy you want to own. And that, to me, is probably the 1-1 in any rookie draft. Excuse me, any rookie draft in a dynasty league. Because you insert a guy into this offense that has three-down capability, it changes this whole offense. It changes Mahomes. It changes everybody. Because they didn't have anybody this year to take any heat. Everybody, LaShawn McCoy was washed up. And, and he had little flashes, but that was, I was trying to tell people that when they signed him, this is not going to be the guy going forward. It's definitely not, um, oh, Darwin Thompson. It's definitely not Darwin Thompson. He's too small. He's going to have, you know, be the, the uh, super poor man's Tariq Cohen. Like just, just not going to be there. Damian Williams had the opportunity and if he could have stayed healthy when he was healthy this year, he was, he was better than LaShawn McCoy. He was better than LaShawn McCoy plus Darwin Thompson. He just wasn't on the field very much. And that was the big concern. He'd never been able to, to be a bell cow back. Would he hold up all season? And the answer was no. Yeah. So I think Damian Williams is good. Chris, so you're not taking Damian Williams. So who are you taking? Um, yeah, I, Devonta Freeman, I guess. Like, I don't want to put Bell in worst place because I'll probably honestly take a oh, shot Freeman on Bell. Freeman was actually and... good this year. <laughs> he, thought, he was yeah, good. What he, he was good when I had already given up on him. I think that yeah. was kind of well. The, you don't have to worry because he's probably not going to be a thing next year. As a yeah, creative. like I, yeah, I have no interest. I mean, there's two guys that kind of stand out to me that were frustrating was was Melvin Gordon and and Freeman. I think Gordon obviously is a guy that I'll definitely take a shot on, especially if he's on a, on a new team like Tampa or something. But I think for Freeman, I just really wasn't impressed um, with his work on the ground. He's he's always kind of dinged up. You know, yeah, he he, he had a couple good games, 15, 25 points, and all of a sudden seven carries for 19 yards, three fantasy points. It comes out of the bye is six fantasy points. Like so, he was to me he was just a little bit too inconsistent. 656 yards and two rushing touchdowns. That's a pretty dud year from Freeman. Yeah, that's fair. All right, for running back, if anybody, you know what? I'm going to save him. Hold on. I want a sidebar who's not, but came close. Any running back who plays for Adam Gase or Matt Nagy, you are in worst place. I don't care who you are. You're just there. You're permanently there. Everybody who tried to do the Ronald Jones thing, yeah, you should put Ronald Jones there. I'm not putting there because I didn't do it, but everybody tried today. Chris, you always talk about the I tried to tell you part. Well, the I tried to tell you part with the Tampa Bay situation was stop trying to figure out Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones because you cannot do it. It's like it's Will Fuller, but it's two running backs because you're never going to pick the right game of who the running back is and then just so stop with that. I hope, hopefully the Buccaneers address that as well. That'd be another nice, interesting spot for like a Kareem Hunt if he wasn't a restricted. Free. I'm really interested in what he does because he's restricted. But anyway, my worst place is this. And my worst place is somebody who was, this is why I say, hey, hey, you might know who it is, who was already my worst place before this year started. Hopefully you had the lesson learned and talked to you. Do not draft Sony Michelle. Stop. Worst place. Stop with the backfield. The only running back you want in the Patriots backfield is James White. The end. That's it. Sorry. Yeah, Ronald there Jones finished ahead of him. <laughs> <In fantasy. laughs> so Carlos Hyde, too. So did Another Carlos guy. Hyde, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Both guys who were 
draft. No, because people try to predict the game script, and they're like, oh, he got 20 carries, so he got his 80 yards and a touchdown. Like, well, not always. And then when you try to predict yeah, that, it's like – Yeah, 80 yards. He may not have got yeah. a touchdown. Exactly. Like, stop with Sony Michelle. Please, everybody, just put him out there in worst place with everybody. Just please do it. Him and Will Fuller. Dead yep. to me. I would agree with that. Yep. All right. So I'm going to go – I'll transition. So I'm still talking here. I'll go to quarterback. Let's do quarterback, and this is the easy one for me. And I'll give you a hit. I wish Mike Salfino was on the show right now because it's his quarterback. That's my quarterback. Look, Sam Darnold, good God. Everybody expected the world for him this year and Robbie Anderson. And, you know, I mean, you could even make a case for Robbie Anderson to be in worse place too. And everything was supposed to be the next level and all the, like, Le'Veon Bell and Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder. And even with Chris Herning getting hurt, doesn't matter. Sam Darnold was supposed to be, and then people tried to make excuses. And then you see the little glimmers, and then you see that game of, like, a Will Fuller-type game at quarterback. Like, okay, maybe Sam Darnold's figured it out. No, Sam Darnold is garbage. Stop trying to mess around with Sam Darnold. Just forget that entire offense. Forget the Jets exist next year. Yeah, it's, it's do, out of Do you gates. forgive the Giants? Do you forgive the Giants for skipping him and – Oh, I never wanted the, no, I never wanted the Giants to take Sam Darnold either. I never wanted to take Sam Darnold, or I, I, I wanted to take Dwayne Haskins. So Larry David was was on, uh, one of the shows. I didn't want to take, I didn't want to take either of them that year, but I didn't like that entire quarterback draft class. Uh, Larry David was on the, on one of the ESPN shows there. I think yesterday I saw it on Twitter. It was just how he had told the Jets years ago to draft Reggie Bush and they didn't listen to him. And then he had told them about Lamar Jackson. He's like, well, to be fair, like, Nobody. Oh yeah. Well, nobody obviously, listened. you. Yeah, you know how much I love Lamar Jackson, but the Giants weren't taking Lamar Jackson with the no, number two pick, no, so weren't. I just kind of, I, I kind of throw that out the window. As I would have loved them to have Lamar Jackson, but the first of all, the Giants organization doesn't think that. For, yeah. Like you mentioned it, Chris. They they do some weird things. This is the most. This hire is the most outside the box thing they've done, maybe ever. Yeah. For somebody with zero coaching experience, there was no way they were drafting Lamar Jackson. No. Sam Darnold had a game this season where he had negative two four touchdowns, six six. <laughs> no, that was the one where he had four picks. <laughs> That's when we were that 11 was, for 32 that, for 86 yards. That made me so happy. Picks. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that was also beer. the week that Drew Brees had like what one point or something like that. There was a lot of performances that the, like that. Goff had a, a game with zero points. Baker had a game well, with negative two points. I mean, Goff still finishes a borderline QB one with all the. He's still terrible. He yeah. should be in worse place. You know what? For somebody that people want to draft, put Jared Goff there too. Put him in the same boat, poke a hole in the bottom and ship him off the sea. Yeah, I, no, I get that. <laughs> he's not a good real life quarterback, but he's one of those guys that will fall down to like QB 15, 16 as a second QB in Superflex Goff. Like I don't, I don't mind that as a second QB in Superflex. Yes, you do. No, I, you, you want to know why? Well, wait, because I like his why? weapons. That's it. I was going to say, let's talk about that game log for the game that you mentioned. So at Seattle, 17, oh, just, we'll, oh, we'll do rounding. 18, the next week, 1, 25, 23. Oh, we're back on board with Jared Goff. 4, 5, 4. Yeah, I think 25. he's one of those guys. Like, there's a lot of quarterbacks <laughs> where you can just be like, ah, you know, I'll play him. But, the, but for Goff, there's some quarterbacks where he goes up against defenses where you really need to find another option. And it was clear this year. I mean, San Fran, dialed pressure, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Baltimore. Those were dud performances where those teams got after the quarterback and Goff just completely I panned. will say that. At least he's a, a bit more predictable. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, for me, I guess, for, for quarterbacks – um, Sam Darnold is a, is a real good one. <laughs> Josh McCowan, yeah, Josh McCowan, worst place. Thanks for the effort, bud. Uh, Cam Newton, is it fair coach. to say Cam Newton? Like, cause he got hurt. Uh, I mean, I was, you he can, was, look, he was one of the two I had. Yeah, I think uh, it's you, fair. You guys can pick, 
Yeah, go ahead. No, I for again, injuries play a part and you can't predict them, but with Cam it's just he had taken so many hits over the years and there was I was a little nervous heading into the season with the shoulder injury. Is he gonna call his own number? Is he gonna take those shots? And you could see early on in the season he was a little hesitant to do that and then the foot creeped up. He's not accurate at all anyway, so is his style gonna change? Is he gonna try to become more of a pocket passer? I think I'm completely off of Cam Newton. I'm fine not drafting Cam <laughs> Newton in fantasy next year. And I would agree with that. It's the one, the one thing where there's appeal to me is he finally had a surgery to fix it instead of just trying to, to rehab it and right. deal with it. He finally shut it down. And that's something he hadn't done in any previous year that, which was always so frustrating. It's like, dude, just get healthy. Now, if they do bring him back in Carolina with Matt Rule as his head coach, there's a really good chance Cam Newton is a top five quarterback again. I had him on my list as a worst place, like someone I don't want to own, but I see just the fact that he got it fixed permanently instead of just dealing with this partial injury stuff at least gives him a glimmer of hope for me. For me, this this is going to sound crazy to a lot of people, but I'm I'm ready to give up on him like you're ready to give up on Sam Darnold. It's Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, <laughs> to me, was one of the worst decision makers. He was a worse decision maker than Jameis Winston in the sense that Winston at least took chances that were worth the risk where there was touchdown upside way down the field. Mayfield was taking chances on five-yard throws and getting them picked <laughs> off because he, it was like that was his only option. I don't know. It was just awful decision making, and I, I will at least give him the benefit of the doubt that there is a chance that just because – Freddie Kitchens was at the helm and the climate of that locker room was not great. There is a chance that he will rebound, but I think he's mentally not ready to be a franchise quarterback. I don't think he's Johnny Manziel, you know, and quite to that level, but I do think it's, it's something where something's going to have to change on a maturity level for this guy to be ready to, to lead an NFL franchise into the playoff. Cause right now he's nowhere close. Jake, don't they have to bring in a, like Josh McDaniels is rumor. Jim Schwartz, I don't think would be the guy to help out Baker Mayfield. Don't they need to bring in an offensive minded guy to kind of, you know, groom Baker because we've heard all so many times I've heard you say I think all three of us have said it like one read quarterback like he doesn't even look at the second option like he just I think he needs yeah. to they need to bring well, in could, somebody to help him and I don't think like Schwartz is the answer no and credit to that again that that was D'Angelo Williams who told me about that he was saying you know when you have practices you run practice he said he did the same thing when he was with the Panthers and Steve Smith not he but the team did it and that team did it when he was with the Steelers and Antonio Brown and you run practice formations and they tell you before you're lined up they say all right blank is going to be double covered and that's always your best receiver so Odell Beckham's always double covered and when you have an inexperienced quarterback he said this is I'll, I'll give you something else D'Angelo said this will be on the podcast that's out today he said in the NFL 80% of the time is all of the time that's how they treat things so if 80% of the time on third down Odell Beckham's double covered in Baker's mind it's 100% and it's 100% I'm never going to look at you so that's what you got to get out of his mind and you got to work on him as a young player to look and re I think, you know what, because of what happened with the Redskins and the shift in the, the offense and what, who's been brought in, I think Kevin O'Connell should jump ship and go to the Browns as the offensive coordinator. Obviously the Browns have to be interested and it's going to be, doesn't look likely with what the Browns are talking about, but I'm with you on the fact that somebody needs to coach him up. I think so. I still think he has potential. I'm still a Baker Mayfield fan. Me too. I just, he need somebody needs to teach him and I'm not going to write him off because I still think he's much better than Jared Goff and everybody wanted to write Jared Goff after one year. So just fix him. Somebody needs to fix him. Um, worst place, tight ends. I mean, tight end, just the entire position, just put him worst place. This freaking position that she's like, after you get past the big three or four, screw this mess. Uh, but 
The worst place is no longer Jared Cook. Uh, so, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, if he's with the Saints, Jared Cook on any other team, but Jared Cook on the Saints, you, you, you've moved yourself out of worst place for me. I know Pat doesn't ever take anybody out of worst place, but I will. So I'm going to put this person there as of now, but I, <clears throat> I feel like I'm going to draft him anyway. This was a hard one for me, guys. And I put Noah Fant. And it was only because, look, I love Noah Fant. He's in my top 15 for next year. I think he's a better receiver. He is a better receiver than TJ Hawkinson. Both of them are interesting for next year. But my problem with – Chris knows this, Brad, because we did the DF show, DFS show together a lot. I could never get Noah Fant's game right. That was the problem. It's like I always was fe- felt like I was pulling the Will Fuller. It's like, oh, this is a good opportunity for Noah Fant. Nothing. All right, well, I don't really want to deal with that again. And goes off. And then uh, or, uh, he was just That's tight difficult. ends in general, yeah. though. Like, they're yeah, outside is. of a, a few of them. Like, you could say the same thing about, you know, Hunter Henry or Mike Gusecki or Greg Olson, whatever. Like, there, there's very few that you can just count on for sure on a week-in, week-out basis. And and I, I understand what you're saying. I also am going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he was a rookie tight end. And we've heard many, right. many times that is the toughest position to come in and learn as a rookie. And yet at... At, with that being the case, and with a garbage quarterback situation most of the year, he was still the tight end 15. And there was still games where he was relevant. And I'm going to give him a benefit of the doubt that there is a learning curve. He will get better, hopefully, for, for the Broncos' standpoint. from a, As a Chief fan, I hate saying this, and especially as a Jayhawk <laughs> fan. But I, there's, a, there's a chance Drew Locke ends up being a decent quarterback. Yes, and if that happens... Then it, it might change the whole landscape of the Denver offense because right now you don't, you basically don't want to touch any of them outside of Cortland Sutton and even he is still pretty inconsistent, but that, I attribute that to quarterback play. So I think fans going to make a jump. I don't know if it'll be next year. It, it could be 2021, but I think at some point he will be in the, you know, in it pretty consistently as a top 10 tight end. So I'm going to go with Vance McDonald. It, it's, it, there was they they cleared out the whole tight end landscape for him. He played in 14 games this year. It wasn't an injury deal, and I realized Big Ben wasn't there, and that was what a lot of people were projecting. But to get 38 catches in 14 games is and and to have most of those in one or two games, it was it was just a extremely disappointing performance when a lot of people really thought that that he was going to be the guy to take a step forward. I want nothing to do with this guy going forward, and and I almost kind of hope that Pittsburgh brings in somebody else and and kind of pushes him to a second tight end role. Would you change your tune if Ben was the quarterback? No, <laughs> not not at this point. Just because I don't in watching McDonald, I don't think he's good enough to get open no matter who's the quarterback. I think he he almost regressed this year, and like I said, I I think there's a chance that. They will bring somebody in or they will draft somebody or whatever. There's some pretty good tight ends in this rookie class that it would be interesting to see, you know, what if, you know, I don't know that there's a, a Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson type level. Maybe there's one, one guy up there, but I don't know that, that you're going to see an immediate impact in Pittsburgh, but it wouldn't surprise me if they draft a tight end in the first three or four rounds or bring in a free agent of some sort. I've never been a big Vance guy, so I won't fall for him. I could see myself drafting some Noah Fant next year and being frustrated, Jake, with with the ins and outs of Fant. I think I'll go with Jack Doyle. I thought he was pretty disappointing when Eric Ebron went out. And yeah, all these the were a bust. <laughs> well, he's the surprise like to me. Like yeah, I just I thought, like it, when I'm looking at this tight end position – I guess Goddard finishing as a top 10 tight end is pretty surprising, but you're right. You alluded to it, all the injuries in Philly, but even still to have two tight ends from – we're sitting here picking apart this position and, and crapping all over it, but to have two from one team, I mean, that doesn't happen very often, right? So that was a little bit surprising, but for me, I, I think that Jack Doyle was 
was very disappointing, and that was surprising because Ebron left. Hilton was in and out of the lineup. They just didn't. There was a lot of guys actually in and out of the lineup, and I just I just expected more. I, I wanted to go yeah, Doyle they, over Evan Ingram because I want to give Evan Ingram another shot, but he's another guy that yeah. actually I may stay away from because I just don't. I think he's pretty fragile. That's yeah, that's the decent call right there. Yeah, that's fair, and I I think it was. It, it, a lot of it had to do with the fact that Jacoby Brissett is is not an ideal starting quarterback in the NFL. He's he's a he has flashes, but he either needs to make some big development or they need to you know go pay off Andrew Luck and get him back into their their locker room or something. Because I think Jack Doyle could have been better. He had seventy two <laughs> targets, but it only caught forty three of them, and that to me just says like a lot of the targets. I don't know what his catchable target rate was, but it probably wasn't that high because it's not a very very efficient percentage. And it was probably just getting a lot of balls thrown his direction that weren't even catchable because they brought him back on, they signed him to an extension mid-season or right before the season or something. They're letting Ebron walk and it's going to be Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox going into to 2020. And both of those guys are big athletic guys. And, and to me, it's just going to be about quarterback development or, or whoever their starter is. Go, go back to, go back to Eric Ebron next year. It'll be good times. So we'll see what that is. <laughs> Alright, so let's talk about the playoffs. And for everybody, as a reminder, this week, Sunday is not a one and four. It is a three and six. So remember that. We have four o'clock, eight o'clock on Saturday, which is the same and kicking things off with the Vikings in San Francisco. I'm assuming we're all taking San Francisco, correct? We don't want to talk about that as our pick. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So from a fancy perspective, playing DFS, you're playing fancy playoffs, whatever you're playing. On the Minnesota side, let's just tackle that because that's the big question on their side. Is there anybody, like, would you do the Dalvin Cook? Obviously, you're doing Dalvin Cook in, you know, like whether you drafted or maybe you're a one and done and you didn't use him last week and this might be a good chance because you don't think the Vikings are advancing past this game if you didn't use him last week. But, Chris, on DFS or anything of that kind of level, Dalvin Cook, you – don't use if you don't have to. Like, you don't have to pay up for this against San Francisco, right? Yeah, I, I don't think so because there's just other running backs that you could – there's other ones that I like that we'll get into. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think – and I already used all my Vikings because I thought they were going to lose last week. So, like, I already, <laughs> I already used Cook and Thielen. Um, all right. If so, you yeah. had uh, your pick from all I, of the I Vikings I still like left. Thielen the Who most. I still like Thielen the most. I think that for the most part over the past two years – and I know we've talked a lot about Thielen and Diggs and, and all of that and game scheming, but I just feel like for the most part, if you just really ask Kirk Cousins one-on-one off the record, who's your guy? And it's Adam Thielen. I think he trusts him the most. I think his, I think he runs crisper routes, uh, for Kirk Cousins to hook up to him. So that's, that's the one Here's, guy that I like the most. Hold on. I, before you jump in, Brad, I'm going to vehemently disagree with you. you that's fine. <laughs> well, no, because this is why. Because we talked about it in the last show. No, I, I know, I know. You know where I'm going. San Francisco is yeah, well, yeah. the number two in the league in adjusted sack rate. The yeah. pressure for Kirk Cousins means it's a digs game. I'm on digs if I'm forced to go with anybody, obviously outside of the Cooks. I, I think know, but I feel digs, like there's just so many short throws that Cousins has made to Thielen, and it, like digs needs need some time. I don't feel like they've used him like that. No, it's the, the opposite. No, I, I know. I, I've heard this before a few times, but I'm not going to be surprised if Thielen has a bigger game than Diggs. I expect. Okay. Brad? Yeah, I, I mean, I and I could see that. I um, the 49ers defense got worse during the season. Like they they were really good basically all the way up until they ran into Kenyon Drake, and then after that they they had issues down the stretch, gave up a lot of points. So um, it, it and granted they're healthier now. They get D Ford back um, this week, so that that could change a lot for their pass rush. But um, I. 
I, I, it's kind of like the Baker Mayfield thing with, there's a, he just kind of knows, Cousins just kind of knows a lot of times, Diggs is just covered. He's going to be covered because he's, I don't think he's that good of a route runner. I don't think he's great at getting open. He's really good at extending into like broken plays, getting open, that kind of stuff. But the initial move off the line, I think he gets covered pretty well. I think there's a really good chance Sherman is going to follow him everywhere. And if that happens, then I, I do think it could be another Thielen game. Okay. Um, I think you're both crazy, but we'll continue on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Vikings made my covered, too. Vikings covered. I think they actually hang around surprising people. What What is the spread? Seven. Six and a half. Yeah. I, guess <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't, I haven't looked seven. at it. Yeah, it did get moved to seven. Yeah. I actually uh, think, like, Dalvin Cook, as much as we were like, oh, it's a tough matchup, like, he could have enough success. I mean, he just ran all over the Saints, and that was a surprise to some people. So he could, he could so keep I'm just, the game. I'm just going completely against you guys. They cover, and it's a Diggs game. Let's okay. go. Let's go. Yeah, go no, I agree. Oh, so the Niners cover. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Niners cover. All right. So the uh, the 49ers, let's talk about them. I mean, it is Moster, but wide receiver. Now, we attack the Vikings through the air. Apparently, the Saints didn't get that memo. And if you look at it, Debo been out playing. I mean, the Sanders who we talked about earlier in the show at the end of the season and has been looking really good. Is it Debo or is it Sanders for you with the rest? And now maybe he's back to 100% if you had to pick one of the wide receivers. I'll go Sanders. Brad. What do you think, Brad? Sorry. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll go Debo. Um, but it, I really don't, it's kind of funny. I don't want to touch either receiver here. Like, I think this is a monster week for George Kittle. And I know I'm like really going out on the limb there, but I, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me talk. if he, I know if he's at, at 12 to 15 catch this week and they, they just, he just gives the, the Vikings linebackers and safeties fits in the middle of the field. Yeah. I'm, Chris? I'm, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. George Kittle's gonna ball out for sure. Um, no, I'm I, saying, would you, would you would you pull off of if you could if you like yeah. similar to the Vikings? If you can only pick one, would it just be forget about it? I'll just go Kittle. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I would just tag some wide receivers in in other spots if I could. But like, here's the different question. That's what I was about to ask you. So yeah. there's my question: If it's your one and done, is it Kittle, Andrews, or Kelsey this week for you? I think I would save Kelsey. Um, knowing that for sure, I think the Chiefs are going to beat the Texans, uh, and I not that I don't think that the. But they, if are they do, win, and the I Ravens do as expected, they would get the Ravens next week with Kelsey. So that's why I'm actually I would actually go Kelsey for that reason. Yeah, it, it for sure. If you think that, yeah, you got to play it forward, and if you think that Baltimore is because here, here's it, next it, week, it, then sneak they do preview. It. Yeah, sneak preview, Chris. I have all four home teams winning. Now, again, that doesn't mean a whole lot after what happened last week. But so all four road teams are going to win. Yeah, this week is what you're saying. Exactly. Well, no, three out of the four. You gotta, I, gotta, I get one right. You get one so, right. <laughs> so, but that being said, so you would get San Francisco versus Green Bay, Kansas City versus Baltimore. Well, pass defense, pass defense, we've been talking about, and Brad's brought it up a million times, that the Chiefs' pass defense is actually pretty dang on good. Yeah, well, better. so is the Ravens. And where the Packers give Kittle, I want Kittle next week, and I want Kelsey this week. So there's your forward-thinking one and done for me. What were your thoughts, Brad? Um, I'm going I'll, – I'll use my phrase again. I'm going a way different direction here. Um, this week in a one and done, I'm going to take Jimmy Graham. And the biggest ah, reason is because revenge. the only the turn, only team – Turn this show we, off. We talked all season. We talked all season about how bad they are the, bad the, Cardinal, Jimmy Graham the Cardinals were against tight ends. <laughs> The, no, the Seahawks were the second worst team against tight ends all year in fantasy, giving up fantasy points. I don't care. <laughs> it's all he needs is a touchdown, and Do you it's know very possible. Scored? 
Does it matter? It's yes. I mean, it could happen. He could, Week why? seven was the last time he scored. And it's going to be 10 degrees in Green Bay. Like, I just feel like this is not going to be a game where they throw the ball downfield a ton. He's probably going to have three or four catches. I think he gets a touchdown, maybe like 30 yards, and he no. ends up with about 10 or 12 no. points. And that's the kind of pres- the kind of game I want in a one-and-done league. You kind of have to think outside the box like that. As, as crazy it is as it is, but you're really saving Kelsey and Kittle for – And Andrews. It, it, like, I, I'm saving – A couple weeks, yeah. No, and, and I'm going to get Kittle and Michael Salfino's leagues. In Michael Salfino's league, we have to pick two tight ends every every week. But all see, the way you until have to pick one. Look, it's set up perfectly. You don't need, this is my point on the sidebar. J- jokes aside, you don't have to waste your time with Graham because you take Kel- – like, obviously, a loss could screw you. But we have three weeks left. You have three tight ends. You can do Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, whatever mix you want. You can use all three and not have to screw around with Jimmy Graham or Janu or Kyle Rudolph. And I, I'm not attacking you solely for Graham. I'm just saying at this point – you don't even have to mess around. You have the three tight ends, the best three tight ends left. And while I understand, the biggest the biggest issue I have is I'm trying to save guys for the last two weeks. And what if one of these teams does lose? Then, then so you say I get pick, to use say a period. I pick, well, say, exactly. But say, say I take Mark Andrews and he has two catches or whatever and say Tennessee beats him. Just out of curiosity, or say, oh, that's fine. say, say the Chiefs beat him next week. Then it gets to the Super Bowl and I've got no tight ends left to use because I already used Kittle. Or whatever, then no, I'm trying no, to you say would, it, give me you some would have options. Jonathan Smith because somehow the damn Titans made the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, if the, if, the, if the Chiefs and if the I'm saying if the Chiefs and Niners say the Chiefs and Niners make the Super Bowl and you use Andrews, this you can't week, play that game. You can't. Like, that's the that's the problem. You have to. You have Bell. to. You have to. You have to kind of project something because you can't leave yourself with no, with but Blake Bell as your tight end for the Super Bowl. No, but you see, I'm, I'm different, Chris, is because I'm not going to go to the Super Bowl and be like, damn, I should have used somebody that I never used. That's, I understand, I understand what you're saying, Brad. Where do you, you're coming down on that, Chris? Because this is a good debate for people who are playing these one and dones. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to leave somebody on the board. Like, perfect example. I, now, granted, he had a bad game, but we were talking last week, like, if you wanted to throw out, you know, somebody like, uh, nobody expected Tom Brady and the Patriots to lose. And you wanted to say, well, you know, they're not going to lose next week. This will be the only chance I can have to use Julian Edelman. You know, so something like that. Mm-hmm. I just, I'd rather take the chance than to be like, well, yeah, now I have seven options in the championship game, but I could have used guys along the way. Yeah, I think Brad is just kind of thinking Salfino's league where you got to play two, where where you got to play right. w- just one. And, I, I, and I'm in, I'm in another one that where you just play one, two, and I'm in the same boat. Like right now, Jimmy thing. Graham's in my lineup. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that strategy of it. I, I don't think you need to. I think if it was me, um, you know, and I'm projecting to your point, Jake, if I think that Baltimore and KC are going to play each other next week, I'll probably play Kelsey this week. Yeah. And, and then go with Kittle the, the following week. And then you're in a situation where, yeah, maybe you have to, maybe you play can Jimmy play Jimmy Graham in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Or Andrews <laughs> or Hollister or, you know, who knows? Maybe Houston upsets. So there, you're still going to have some options, but yeah. I, well, I'll have Jimmy Graham in the Super Bowl the and stud. you won't, Brad, because you used him. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'll have Kelsey in the Super Bowl because I haven't used him. No. What if they? What if they get bounced and you never use Kelsey? I mean, honestly, like that's and that's the point. So you know, everybody out there, this is the debate you're probably having with yourself. But see, that's where you see both sides of it. All right, so uh, moving on from this, uh, there's no way Tennessee does it two games in a row, right? 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 Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't <laughs> think no so. Yeah. No. I don't. They. Think. Not only that, but they. They. Just the type of game they played last week was a very like they I mean they ran the ball they only threw the ball fifteen times they are beat up like they're that's that was a physical game for Derrick Henry that was a physical game for their offensive line 
I don't think they have the stamina to to hang with with Baltimore this week, and it wouldn't surprise me if Baltimore covered even. Yeah, that was their that was their Super Bowl last week. <laughs> Nine and a half is the spread on this one, by the way. I, I think that Tennessee could cover because I feel like it's going to be a slow paced game where both teams run the football and it's going to be that grind. But Tannehill at at one point is going to have to throw the football, right? He's going to have to. Um, I mean, hopefully more than fifteen times. Yeah, but it might he, it might not matter though against this defense. He might try. He might try to throw it thirty times and only have the same success he did last week. Yeah, so, in this game, Chris, if you somehow didn't use Derrick Henry, I'm assuming you're still using him for the one and done because it's still Derrick Henry, even against the Ravens defense, because this is your final chance to use him if you didn't use him last week, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't use him last week. I really went all out just to. On the on the Titans, I'll give and you. The, I'm going to use him sorry, this week because I have to. You have to because I feel like Baltimore is going to win. So even if he comes up with a dead game, I just I'll I'll just use him anyways. So to yeah, I used him last week everywhere. So so I, did I, I didn't have that option. And I'm yeah, I don't either. Kind of so, take so, that I didn't use him. If you, hey, here, I'll give you guys this: if you're in my <laughs> boat and you missed on you know saving Saints and you know that went out the window or maybe a Patriots like if you're thinking deep. Obviously, if things change in practice, but as of today, it's Saturday, and that is the game. And as of today, Mark Ingram looks ooh, mm, like, yeah. like he should play. Very iffy. Yeah. Gus Edwards. Yeah, I like the call. Gus Bus, get on board. Yeah. No, I'm a fan. Yeah. I if like he, if he doesn't play, and you if you have an opportunity to wait on your lineup, and he doesn't, Edwards get or Ingram is ruled out, you have to play Gus Edwards. I agree. Like that's that's the, that's the free square in in every format. Yeah. Because. He's he's going to get used as a you know sixty seventy percent of the time whatever the running backs do, and that's you want that piece you want that piece especially against Tennessee at home yeah I got him locked in in the flash I agree yeah three for three play him all right so Houston Kansas City Carlos Hyde and Damian Williams yes 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 oh you that's a big side or would you do I, I would I would I'm, I'm going to hang on to to Damian I'm not going to use Damian. But I used Duke last week. Boy. I thought it was going to be a Duke game because oh. <laughs> I thought the Bills were going to win and that Duke would get involved through the air and he was going to catch some passes. So I already used Duke. I'm surprised you used them at all. You hate Duke um, Johnson. You hate both these running backs. You hate everybody in this game. <laughs> I still like Carlos Hyde. I'm a Carlos Hyde supporter. I mean, he had a pretty good game against the Chiefs earlier this year, and I'll use Carlos Hyde this week. And that, I'm I'm torn here because I do think this is a game that the Texans are going to be trailing most of the game, and it makes me nervous that 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 game in Kansas City they actually won that game in Kansas City earlier this year, but it was a game flow that not a lot of people expected, and Carlos Hyde basically just controlled that game. I don't see that happening again. The Chiefs' defense is so much different now than it was in the first half of the year, and I I think they're they're going to have to beat the Chiefs through the air if they beat them, and therefore I'm and I'm and I'm going to play the the numbers where they the Chiefs are winning. They're they're the Texans are going to have to throw a lot to keep up. So I'm actually going to use Deshaun Watson this week um, in a lot of different spots because I think this is a high volume game for him, um, even if it's a scrambling, you know. Gets eight or nine, ten rushes, scrambling in addition to you know potentially three hundred passing yards, just because they're playing from behind most of the game. All right. So, anything else left on this game? I, we're, we're all we're all taking the Chiefs. Yes. Yeah. Is it, hey, but, but let me put it this way: Is anybody taking any road team? No, actually, I thought about Seattle. No, but I, I, I think wasn't Seattle's impressed. got a shot. I, I just don't Im- like the weather. Yeah, and I wasn't impressed with the Seahawks last week in Philly. Like, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, to to face basically they what was essentially half of the Eagles and yeah. still have a struggle, yeah, I'm with you. All right, so if you're in this game, you know, Seattle, are you using any Seattle? I mean, because there's 
I would assume everybody used Seattle players last week who wanted to try to use Seattle players and, you know, they said, you know, just in case the Phillies, Philly, the Eagles surprise us. But if you didn't, if you have Lockett, if you have DK Metcalf off of a huge game, if you have Marshawn Lynch, Russell Wilson, like how many, how many, why do I keep saying the Eagles? I can't get this damn team right. If, how many Seahawks would you want in your lineup this week in a one and done, Chris? Uh, I used deck, I used DK last week, but if you had the opportunity to use him this week, I, I, I think you use it. This is, this still does feel like a coin flip game to me, even though I give the edge to the Packers. I'm not excited about any of their backs, but I mean, if you want to roll out Homer, I guess, cause he just catches balls out of the backfield, I like him a little bit more, even though Lynch is going to be the goal line back. I think, I think, two games since yeah, being back. <laughs> and you know what? His, and his touchdown last week was very beast mode like, I and mean, it was like, you know, he ran over guys second effort. It was really nice. So yeah, I mean, if you're looking for that touchdown, that'd be the guy, I suppose. But I think, I think you could definitely play all the Seattle guys. Like Lockett, I think is in play too, as frustrating as What about, is. and I'll, I'll, you answer, go, you, Brad, you jump right in when Chris is done. What about a transition? Because it's an iffy game. What about just firing up as much Aaron Jones as you possibly can? Yeah, I think Aaron Jones is a great play because uh, I don't know how much I'll, I'll want to use him next week against Minnesota or San Fran if they do get by. But yeah, I think Jones is. You could run on Seattle all year. You could you can run on them. I, I, Jones is a good play. I, you know, if I was to rank all these backs, I'd probably have him like number three this week. Yeah, I, I like Jones this week quite a bit. Um, just because like I I don't want to play him next week if they're playing the 49ers if they do win. Um, I would be taking a 49ers back and then taking the AFC backs in the, in the Super Bowl, whoever comes out of there. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think it's a good week for Aaron Jones. Yeah, good strategy. He's actually my number one running back for this week. Nice. I, I just, for every, yeah, for, for all those reasons. All right. So, is that really, really much it? Uh, Green Bay, do they, it's four. Does it cover? I, I think they win by a field goal. I'll take Seattle there. So you'll take Seattle. By the way, Kansas City was nine and a half. I think Houston's going to keep that close too. I think a lot of these games are actually pretty close. I don't. I think I got, and this is going to sound homer, but I legitimately believe the Chiefs win this by two, two, 14 to 17 points. I'm actually with Brad on that one. So I'm actually, I'm taking, <laughs> funny enough, I'm taking the three biggest spreads to cover and the <laughs> smallest one to not. <laughs> yeah. And that's, it's funny because everybody expected this to be Green Bay and New Orleans and, and, with New Orleans winning this game, everybody thinks Green Bay is the most vulnerable team that's, you know, of the home teams here. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily buying it. And the biggest reason I looked at the weather this week, it's eight degrees right now in, in Green Bay and it's going to be the a high in the low twenties that day. I, and it's a night game, which makes it even colder. I think there's a really good chance. This is kind of the weather that Aaron Rodgers has dominated in, in the playoffs before. I think Green Bay wins this by a touchdown. I'm going to take all four of the, the home teams hmm. to cover just because I think there's the biggest thing that all those games last weekend were, were one score games and every team was grinding it out down to the finish. They weren't able to rest anybody and all these teams sitting at home were able to get healthy, get rested, prepare for these teams. I think there's a really good chance the home teams just wipe up in this, in this weekend. And you're taking two to cover the, the, on the, Downs, or, what's the dog? You're taking two dogs, right, Chris? Yeah. You're taking yeah. Seattle and... I'd take Seattle, like, right now. I mean, I honestly don't feel great about it, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, I think that the only blow that I really Seattle see Seattle and Minnesota. Is... Yeah, Seattle yeah, and Minnesota. I'm actually taking them all. Like, I, 
besides the Tennessee, I, I can't back that up, even though I did say I can't back it up. I'm I think honest. the Seattle Green Bay game will be the closest, <laughs> but I I could still see it being like a touchdown for Green Bay. Minnesota, Houston, and and Seattle are going to cover. They're going to keep things. All right, so, thank you. I was going to say, just tell us the teams because <laughs> so that's that's best three, on the three out of the four dogs. That's right. Best on the board. We'll break it down with uh, Michael Beller and myself there. Oh, but, see, that's why I didn't know if that show was still going. Yeah, so we'll, there you go. we'll still sure. do it. Um, Beller was three for four last week. He only got the Saints wrong. I was uh, two for four. I was on the Bills. That crushed me. But yeah, we'll you so we'll suck. break. Yeah, yeah, suck. We'll break that down. Um, yeah, I mean, the Saints. I just didn't see that coming. <laughs> and don't ask me. Although I didn't do cover, I just did straight picks. <laughs> That's a completely different story. But make sure you listen to that show again, the throwback slash the at, or, well, no, God, uh, the, I'm tired. Theathletic.com slash the throwback is where you can get 40% off. If you can tell, Berkeley kept me up last night. Watching hockey, Berkeley. I like that. I know. She was following the puck, dude. You saw that, right? I actually watched it several times because it did look like she was just like putting her head up as the puck was going towards the No, no, she legitimately was because if you watch when it goes to the sideline and the breakage of play, she starts looking around. Like That's when she lost interest. I She was watching more than that before I picked up my phone to record. Chris, you missed some of it. That's why. So she was game. actually watching the puck. It's crazy. Nice. But anyway, at Chris Meany for Chris. I'm at all in kid if you want to go follow that. That's on Instagram too. If you want to see what that picture was. At Brad Ziegler for Brad Ziegler. Again, theathletic.com slash the throwback for 40% off. And we'll be back on Monday to recap this madness and hopefully enjoy some more correct picks for once. We'll see you next time. <laughs>